Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Pastor Elijah Hollis. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. It's a story of Elijah. Um, I like that name, you know. One my mama gave me. Verse 1 says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow you're not dead like them. Okay, basically that's what she said. If I don't make you like that one of them. So Elijah, he was afraid. And ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself, everybody say himself, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down on the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Wake up and eat. Look at the grub. So he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Everybody say a second time. And touched him and said, Get up and eat. And so he looked around. There was again he ate, was strengthened by that food. And so he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down all your altars and your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. No one else. Just me. And now they are trying to kill me too. Verse 11 said, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Yo, before there was IMAX theaters, Elijah had the greatest show on earth. Let me tell you, he's got wind shattering rocks. He's got earthquakes and fire, but the Lord was not in any of that. It says, then there was a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face, went out, and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. <laughs> Basically on repeat. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put the prophets to death, like I just said, by the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus, when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, 
king over Israel, and anoint Elisha. Everybody say, Elisha. Anoint Elisha, son of Shapheth, for Abel, uh, from Abel Mehoah. Oh, I'm so glad names aren't like this anymore. To succeed you as prophet. I want to talk today. I want to talk today about uh, a, a topic that's it's been huge in our home and, and huge in our house, and is one of the things that motivates and drives a lot of what we do here at Change in this house. And it, it's the topic of suicide. I want to talk about this topic because I don't, I don't feel like we talk about it enough, but it is something that is literally taking over our society. It's taking over uh, those around us. It's something that is plaguing our high schools and middle schools. It's something that is, is uh, it's, it's on everybody's mind, everybody's heart. And I say that uh, very widespread, but it is majority have either thought it or are with someone who has thought about it. So it's something we need to talk about. And it's hard because when you talk about mental illness, it is something that there's already like a stigma in the air. It's something that we talk about, uh, mental illness, right? But, but it's something we don't talk about enough, and it's almost down-looked on these days. We don't talk about it. Like, I don't come out and tell you, hey, I'm really struggling with depression. I'm really struggling in anxiety. You know, you don't go to work and, you know, that's the topic of conversation over lunch is like, hey, you know, I'm just really struggling with anxiety today. You know, I just I can't get myself together. Or like, hey, yesterday I couldn't get out of bed. You know, it's just something uh, that we don't look at. And I don't know if you remember, but when you were a kid and you bragged about your wounds, you remember that when wounds were cool, when you show up with like a big old bandaid on your face, you're like, yo, check it. I hit the wall, you know, or you come with your cash and like everybody, everybody sign it. Yeah. Say a little message on it. Yeah. It's like, you're so proud of that wound. Uh, but today almost the stigma is like to be ashamed of your wounds of, of mental illness. And I think it's, it's time that we change the stigma. Uh, do you agree? We've got to change the stigma. Uh, especially at church, especially where we have the answer and, and where uh, we've all been on a journey and, and none of us are perfect. And, and we got to create a space. We have to turn things around and start talking and shedding light on things. How many know light is the opposite of darkness and light always casts out all darkness, right? So when you shine a light on something, darkness cannot stay. A lot of times with a lot of these topics of, of depression and anxiety and fear and, and suicidal thoughts and, and all these things that oppress somebody, a lot of times they only live in the darkness. A lot of times you can't see it on the surface. It's something that lives underneath. I remember, um, you know, if you've read our stuff, you know that uh, the girl that committed suicide in our youth group just really rocked our life. And it literally shaped our heart for what we do is helping people come alive to their purpose. It's the, it's the reason we live. It's the reason I wake up every day. It's the reason our family moved to Philadelphia and sold everything of our old life and, and came here and, and just got on board. It's, it's the reason we do things. But in that moment, it wasn't like we were all waiting around and planning ahead for this girl to make this decision. It wasn't like we knew what was going to happen. It was all underneath the surface. It was all something you couldn't see. And nobody was talking about it. And so, knowing this, we have to be aware. We have to be aware. Um, statistics today, 
and this is, this is uh, gut-wrenching, heart-checking, man. Every 40 seconds, someone commits suicide. Every 40 seconds. So while we're talking here for this next 30 minutes, that means 45 individuals will choose to take their life. 45 different families will be affected. 45 crises will take place in the next 30 minutes. That's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay on my watch. In fact, they were, they were uh, broadcasting that in 2020, it'll actually reach a high of every 20 seconds someone will take their life. It's something that's hit mainstream. It's something that's hit our society in such a huge way, and we have to uh, be those that know how to be there, how to talk to it. But I want to talk to those in the room uh, that you might be there. You might be in that space. You might have had those thoughts. And I want to. I know this is a very serious topic, and I, I, I was really struggling with the, the presenting this message because this isn't a message where you're like, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited because everybody's just going to have a ball with this. But I feel like this is one that has to be talked about. It was very heavy on my heart, and God was, like, pushing me hardcore, like, you got to do it. And I'm like, all right, I'll obey. Um, let's, let's, let's walk into this together. And uh, just so you know, at Change, we do, we create a space for safe conversation. Uh, because, uh, like I would say, like, w- when you come into my house, I don't tell you to lean up against the wall. I tell you, come on in. Sit down in my living room. I finally got a couch. Okay, you know, we moved, adjust, and we didn't have a couch for a little bit. So it was kind of awkward. Like when people come over, I'd be like, all right, find a stool or a bench or something, you know? It's just, it wasn't us, you know? <laughs> it didn't feel like us. But now we got a couch. And uh, just the other night, we had uh, Barry and Allie over, and we are like, yo, sit down on the couch. And it was like, oh, take a load off. And as a church, we want to create those safe places where it's like, hey, sit down, get comfortable. There might, be a, there might be a lot of different spaces you can't talk about this. There might be a lot of spaces you might get judged on if you bring this up. There might be a lot of different spaces that people look at you weird, but here's a safe place. How many need a couch? I need a couch. I need a couch. I need a place to rest, a place to be comfortable, a place to talk, a place to be listened to. We've got to remove the stigma because you know what? It's okay. Hear me. It is okay. To not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. But it's okay to not be okay. We all go through those spaces. We all go through the seasons. But we're not okay. We find ourselves in a place where we just don't want to get out of bed or we don't want to move forward. Something happens to us that cuts us up and we're like, what happened? And we find ourselves in a place with no hope, no aspiration. The dream and passion are lost. And so it only looks like the only way out is to go off of what we've seen as the great escape. When Marilyn Monroe uh, took her life, it, it, it was said that uh, the suicide rate went up 12%. Our culture's affected. They're seeing such a high rise in young people uh, taking their life and I truly believe, and I'm not an expert, but I truly believe it's because it's the culture around them, the role models. And when they see it, it's so hard to not make that an option. David Foster Wallace says this. He said, the person in whom 
Its invisible agony reaches a certain undurable level, will kill herself the same way a trapped person will eventually jump from the window of a burning high-rise. Make no mistake about it. People who leap from burning windows, their terror of falling from a great height is still just as great as it would be for you or me standing at the same window checking out the view. The fear of falling remains constant. The variable here is the other terror, the fire's flames. When the flames get so close, close enough, falling to death becomes slightly less terrible of the two terrors. It's not desiring the fall, it's tears of the flame. And yet nobody down on the sidewalk looking up yelling, don't, hang on, can understand the jump. Not really. You've had to have personally been trapped and felt the flames to really understand the terror way beyond falling. And so you find Elijah and he had just conquered like, like one of his greatest victories in ministry. He was up on the mountain, and if you know the story, he challenged the prophets of Baal and said, let's have a duel. You know, he was kind of like prideful a little bit. He's like, yo, you bring your stuff, I'll bring my stuff, because he knew who his God was, you know. The Bible says we can boast in God. That's one thing we can boast in, because we know who he is. And uh, it's like when I was a kid, did you ever boast in your dad, like how big he was? Oh, I did that all the time. I got, guys were like, I'm going to beat you up. I'm like, yo, my dad's like 400 pounds, so bring it. You know, he's like huge. And I said, what we can do? And he was doing that same thing. He was like, yo, bring it. My God's big. Like, my father big. My, my daddy, he huge. He's like the, the big kahuna, you know? And so they got up on the mountain, and, you know, fire came down. Uh, fire didn't come down on their altar. They're cutting themselves and all this stuff and this whole thing. And then Elijah prays a simple prayer. Actually, he waters his altar just to brag a little bit on how amazing God is. He's like, get it wet. Get it wet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch this. <laughs> like, God's going to blow your mind, you know? And then uh, God brings a fire, you know, totally saturates the altar, and everybody's like, wow, your God is God. One of the greatest victories in his ministry. And we find him right after the fact. When Jezebel gets word, she sends a messenger to Elijah. He shows up, and he says, hey, by the way, Jezebel wants you dead. And in that greatest uh, miracle that he just experienced, the greatest high, now there's a fear that sets in. It's a different season. He comes out of this season now, and now he's in the season of worry, season of worrying for his life so much that he just runs. He takes off, you know, and he goes and goes and goes, and he runs, and he finds himself in a space where he's so afraid of the flames, so afraid of the fire's flames that now he's praying to God for death. God, kill me. Take my life. Jezebel says she wants to take my life. I'm so afraid I want you to take my life. He's not even thinking clearly. He's running from death, but to death. And sometimes we can find ourselves in that space of feeling trapped, feeling like you're at the edge, and you got flames around you. And you're like, I, I don't know where to go. Can I tell you today? There's another way. Everybody looks at your neighbor and say, there's another way. Come on. Now talk to your other neighbor, the one that you really want to talk to. Tell them. Tell them there's another way. There's another way. So Elijah finds himself in a place where he's fearing that threat of Jezebel. And sometimes we find ourselves in these spaces where pressure is built up. And, you know, there's different things that cause this, but, you know, crises happen or 
something happens in our life where the, the bottom drops out, you know, and you find yourself in a place of not no, no, no steady foundation. You find yourself in a place of uneasiness and the pressure builds so far up that it looks like the only way out is to jump. And Elijah, he's praying this prayer. He says, God, take my life. Take my life. It's an overwhelming state of terror. But suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's like taking a bomb to a wasp nest. It's just not, it doesn't, you don't need that. It doesn't make sense. And I want to talk to you today that if you find yourself in that space of thinking the only way out, I want to tell you there's another way. There's another way. In verse 5, it says, Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Yo, get up. Eat. How many know that when crisis hits, when trauma hits, one of the first things that goes out the window is your thought of what to do next? It's the little things, isn't it? It's your sleep. It's eating. It's communication with others. It's the little things that come in. And God knew exactly what Elijah needed in that moment. He said, Elijah, get up and eat. And then the Bible says that he went back to sleep. Hey, some, one of the most spiritual things you can do, maybe in your season, where you find yourself busy and run down and, and you can't get a break and you feel so stressed and tense that it's all coming to a head. One of the most spiritual things you can do probably is take a nap. Sleep. And the angel said, get up, eat. And Elijah went back to bed. And he slept. Some of us don't know how tired we truly are. But mental health is one of those things you have to be intentional about. How many know it's an intentional thing? It's not something you can just come to. And, and even, even being in Christ, uh, I know a lot of Christians that know the scriptures. In fact, for a lot of my life, I knew scriptures. I knew how to quote them. I knew how to talk them. I knew how to do something, and then something happened in my life where the bottom fell out, and I was like, yo, where are my scriptures at? Like, where are the promises at? Where's all the good things of the Father? Where's all these miracles, signs, wonders? Where's the mountains moving? Seems like the mountains are getting bigger. We always talk about this, this high-top experience with God, and I'm finding myself in a pit, in a valley. Have you ever felt that? And all of a sudden, the, the scriptures, the word of God was just, it was like, where's the power of God in this moment? And it was only in taking inventory. And sometimes one of the biggest things you can do is take inventory. Everybody say, take inventory. You got to take inventory. Take inventory of your thoughts, of your inner circle, your relationships. Take inventory how you treat yourself. Um... Dr. Uh, Caroline Leaf, she talks about eating healthy. And sometimes uh, w some of the worst things we could do is just eating unhealthy. You know, I am guilty because I'm a foodie and I like things that taste good. So I like lots of sugar. I like Nutella, right? Um, in fact, uh, what is it called? Buttercream? Y'all heard of buttercream? Yo, Melvin messed me up. Got me addicted to buttercream. 
That stuff is of the angels. I mean, it's literally whipped from heaven. I know it is. And then they somehow can it. They find it in Fiji and they can it. Just making that up. But it's so good. And so like, but, but I have to look at myself. Now I'm getting a little older. But I would encourage you, don't wait until you're old. Don't wait until, it, you know, it's a space. Be the best you. How many want the best life you can live? Right? And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take inventory. Take care of yourself. Start looking at what you're putting in. Start looking at who's around you. Start looking at the conversations you're allowing in, the things you're allowing to feed your desires, your, your, your inside. Um, if I could get my, my prop. Where's my prop? Is it back here? Thank you, Kyle. Have you ever been in an airplane and the, they talk about the cabin pressure, losing cabin pressure, right? And all of a sudden they, they bring this thing out and they're like, if the cabin loses pressure, these things will pop out of the sky. You put them around your face and oxygen will flow. Even if the bag does not inflate, still oxygen is flowing, you know? And they always say, take care of yourself before taking care of children. And that just seems so backwards the first time I heard it. I was like, what? But I love my kid. I love my kid a lot. In fact, in that state of emergency, if they hadn't have told me, you know what I would have done? I would have taken care of my kid first and then taken care of me. But what would happen if I do that? Cabin pressure is, I, I'll, I don't know the scientific, what's happening to the cabin pressure, but when it leaves, okay, the first time they said that, I was scared to death. I was like, wait, is anybody else hearing what they're saying? Like, I thought, like, we're elevating, we're going up to Jesus, so there's more oxygen up there, you know? So, like, but cabin loses, pre like, what? What are we all okay with this? Like everybody's cool, you know. Everybody's just like chilling. I'm like, this is my first time to hear this, and that cabin pressure, that is not cool. Like I don't want that to happen ever. Um, but they always talk about that. So, but but when that happens in that state, man, I'm all about my children, right? I want to take care of them. And a lot of times we can even uh, treat our own lives like this: is like we take care of others first without taking care of ourselves, right? It's all about you. It's all about, um, and even we come into you know, Christianity, I think that's one of the easiest things for us Christians to do is to help each other with their problems. We don't want to take care of our own. I got baggage. I got things I'm working through. And it's messy. It's dirty. And it takes time. If you all knew my thoughts, what was going on, ooh, scare you to death. If you all knew the fears I had, you'd be like, oh, world's ending. Y'all don't know. And sometimes it's so much easier to be like, yes, brother, you need to fix that. Girl, you need to get that right. You should not be doing that. And we take care of everybody else, but we don't take care of ourselves. And what happens is when life falls out, when cabin pressure goes away, all of a sudden we find ourselves not being able to handle life. Find ourselves giving under the pressure. Find ourselves at the edge saying, where should I go from here? And these things are funny. I mean, they just, they're silly. They say, you know, you put them on. And then, uh, <laughs> and then oxygen flows through the bag. And sometimes we can get so caught up to, and I want to talk to those who you might be struggling and, and, and looking at life and saying, you know, there are no other, other options and, 
I don't know what to do, and I'm kind of finding myself in my in the, my end point, and and I, I just I I'm I'm about to give up. I'm about to give up. Sometimes we can look at these masks and say, "What is this going to do for me?" Sometimes we can get so caught up in the the representation of the breath of God, we don't realize that it's not about the mask. It's not about the tool that's used. It's about what's going through the tool. It's about what's going through the mask. Sometimes something so easy as a phone call or a text message or a reach out just to say, hey, I'm not okay. I got thoughts that are, are crazy right now. I feel like I'm crazy. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Can, can we just talk? Sometimes things as little as that, if you don't get caught up on the mask to say, I don't know if they can help me. I mean, look at them. I don't want to let you know. Even if the bag doesn't inflate, it doesn't look proper. Even if the mask looks a little silly. Even if the straps are a little used and abused. Can I tell you, the breath of God still wants to use anything to get to you. The breath of God will use anything to reach you, to fill you with the oxygen that you need in your lungs. Reach out. There's another way. There's another way. There's another way. We believe here that healthy families help hurting families. And so it must be priority for us to take care of ourselves. And that's why week one is so important that we renew our minds, that we're our best selves, that we know who Christ is, and we don't just say it with our mouth, but we believe it in our heart, that we form new things. Science is proving that we can shape our brains with our mind. We can shape our brain with our spirit self, with what we choose to focus on, with what we choose to focus into. And so let me encourage you, be the best you can be. Take care of yourself first. Please take care of yourself first because out of that, out of your health, you're going to help others. Because once I put my mask on and I know how to get the breath of God in me, I can now help my daughter get the breath of God in her. And I can now sit down with your family and say, yeah, we were there too. The pressure was building up. Man, we didn't have enough oxygen to make it through. We were about to give up. But can I tell you this? It's as easy as putting on your mask. Grab the mask. And sometimes you're caught up in so much in the pit of despair and the depth of depression and the fear and anxiety and being paralyzed in that space that you can't see the mask. Can't see it. And you need somebody to come in and say, hey, let me show you how to use it. Let me show you what it takes to get the breath of God in your lungs again. Breathe the oxygen that gives us life. That gives us life. Self-care is of the utmost priority. It's of the utmost priority, especially as Christ followers, because we are his representation. Y'all know that? Jesus wanted to use you to show himself to the world. Ooh, baby. Y'all like, that's scary. I know. And if you just look on the outside appearance, it looks hopeless for the world. You ever done that? You hear God's calling, and then you stare in the mirror, and you're like, God, are you talking to the right person? I know what you said, but are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you seeing this individual that I'm seeing? And God has so much a mandate for us to speak against that which the enemy has had a heyday with. 
but not on our watch. Because Jesus in us, we can be the change in our world. Amen? I want to look at Philippians 4.10. You can go back. Philippians 4, 4 through 10 is really the scriptures that you hear preached a lot. You know, it's all about what is true, what is noble, what is upright. It's really good scripture. Um, one of those to get memorizing in your, you know, your uh, inventory of scriptures to know. That's, that's a really good one. But I want to look at verse 10. And this isn't one that's talked about a lot, but I want to look at it. And this is Paul, and he's talking to the Philippians, and he's in prison. And he finds himself in the middle of one of his hardest seasons, uh, but he's still preaching. He's still sending letters to the churches to encourage them. And uh, I, look at what he says. This is so inter- interesting and so vital, I, I feel like, for us today. And this is uh, what, what I feel like God wants to share. Is verse, verse 10, it says, I rejoice. This is Paul talking to the Philippians. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last, everybody say, at last. That at last, it came to the point where at last I was hoping for this day I was really believing for this day. And finally, at last, can I tell you, there's somebody in your life that is waiting for you to show up. There's somebody waiting for you to show up and reveal who God is in their life. Paul said, at last, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had, what, no opportunity to show it. Everybody say opportunity. Now this word is vital because a lot of times you can't help what you don't know. You can't reach out to what you don't understand. You can't truly help what you don't know. And Paul was talking to me saying, hey, I know you've had concern for me for a long time. You've had a love for me. You've had a concern for me. But you have lacked opportunity. Can I talk to you, those who have lost all hope? The only way you're going to find freedom is when you build a bridge of opportunity. you got to create that space. you got to create that opportunity for someone to come in and love on you. you got to create an opportunity for someone to be there for you. You can't do it alone. Please don't do this alone. You are not meant to live in that space to do it on your own. You are meant to do life in circles. You're meant to do life with others. That's why we always say we do life together. We do the highs and we do the lows. Why? Because we know there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. We know that life's not all about rainbows, unicorns, and, and skittles. You know, skittles is the best candy. Life's not all about that. There are some moments where you want to give up. There's some moments where you're praying and it feels like it's bouncing off the ceiling. There's some moments where you've been faithful. You've been faithful and you find yourself failing. You don't know why. Can I tell you, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have those doubts. It's okay to have those fears. It's okay to be depressed every once in a while. It's okay. It's just not okay to stay there. You got to build the bridge of opportunity. You got to build the bridge of opportunity. You got to reach out. You got to reach out. For those who struggle with those thoughts of suicide, can I tell you, there's help. There's help. Number one, there's this church. 
We're here. We're here to help. There's hotlines to call. There's organizations that are set up just for that. Please, I beg you today, please talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. There's another way. There's another way. This last week, my, uh, my uncle reached out randomly just to see how I was doing. Calls me up. Hey, how you doing? Uh, good. Really good. Good, just checking in on you. Wow, awesome. Talked for about an hour and a half. It was awesome. Before that, my father-in-law texted me. said, hey, I'm proud of you. I just want to encourage you. I love you. I love you. I just want to reach out, see how you're doing. How's everything? How's everything in your heart? Another pastor friend in Philadelphia reached out to me, texted me, hey, how you doing? I just feel you're on my heart right now. What do you need? What do you need from me? Do you, do you need me? I'm going to pray for you. How can I pray specifically for you? Now, I don't say all this to brag to you, that I got, a, I got some really good friends and all that stuff. Those are people that I've been real with, that I've shared my heart with, that I've given up. I've built a bridge of opportunity. I've said, hey, listen, there are days where I struggle. There are days where I don't feel like getting up. There are days where I don't want to go for it in my calling. Please call me out. Please call me out. And I'm reaping it now. Where I get these random reach outs. Yo, how you doing? What's going on? What's going on in your life? Is everything all right? It's the bridge of opportunity. Can I tell you, there are people waiting to get involved in your life. There are people who would love to walk that journey with you. And yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying once you reach out, everything is just going to go away. I'm not saying that. The flames will still be there. That person can walk you through. Put that mask on so you can gain the right insight. You can get the right truths. You can get the word of God in you. You can get the right knowledge to know how to act. Because some of one of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap, is eat your next meal, is drink some water. This is a hard thing for me and my wife. We don't like water. I got to get that squirty juice just to drink water. I can't taste, I, I, I can't taste water. I like flavor. I like flavor. But somebody told me, you got to drink water. Your body needs water. I feel great because of it. Sometimes it's the small things. It's the little bridge of opportunity. It's saying, hey, listen, I'm not okay right now. I'm not okay right now. I'm not in the best space. I'm not in the best space mentally. I'm not in the best space in my heart. I'm not in the best space spiritually. I need help. And that's okay. Let's break the stigma right now. Everybody who's okay with not being okay and okay to get that call or text message, I want you to stand up on your feet right now just to show everybody that you're okay with that. You're with me. I'm standing. Just so you know, it's okay not to be okay in my house. It's okay not to be okay. You can text me. You can call me. It's okay not to be okay. But we're not going to leave you there. We're not going to leave you where you are. Because God is way too much for your season. God is way too much he's bringing you into. We're in a season right now into the new. There are some of you, you're going to give up right before God has the new. Because right now, you're in the into process. And it sucks. Yeah, let's just talk real. It's not a cool place. 
You, fi- you feel like you're up against a wall. You feel like you're trying and not a lot of things are succeeding. You feel like you're just doing the same things over and over again. Can I tell you, consistency breeds completion. Can you just keep up? Keep it up. Get someone in your life to say, come on, let's keep going. Come on, God called you this. Come on, look at the vision. Look at the purpose. Look at what God's here. Look at God, what God called you here for. Look at your purpose for your family. Look at your purpose for your children. Look at the purpose for your career. What God is calling out of you. Come on, don't give up. Don't give up. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. And as the church, culture is being affected right now. But I think it's time that we affect the culture. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I think it's time the church affects the culture. And I'm not talking about a, 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 a sitting on the outside saying, oh, you guys are wrong. You know, sometimes we get this them and, them and us kind of thing of like, oh, we the church, we right. You know, that's wrong. You should not do that. You're not, we, don't, we don't think like that. We love our city. In fact, we don't, we don't conquer our city. We invade our city with the love of God. We invade our city by serving them so much that they're like, whoa, yo, what do we owe you? You know, It's like, no, you don't owe us anything. We love so deeply. We serve unconditionally. We give forgiveness without even being asked. Because that's who we are. We're affecting culture. We're affecting culture. Can I talk to us as a church? Take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Please put your mask on first. Please take care of yourself. I'm a pastor, so I have to say all this stuff, right? I have to get up here and say, hey, you need to pray more. Hey, you need to read your Bible more. Hey, you need to talk to God more. I'm, I'm All the time. How many times can you say it? How many times can you preach it, right? But can I just beg you, please take care of yourself. This is so vital to your health so vital to those around you knowing who God is, knowing who they are in Christ and your identity when it's grounded and founded and you know your calling, you know what you're called for, all of a sudden everything around you can grow. Everything around you can be healthy because healthy families help hurting families. And when we are healthy, our neighborhoods can be healthy. When we're healthy, our jobs can be healthy. When we're healthy, our families can be healthy. When we're healthy, We can help those around us. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.